Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some good old skelly, skelly stories for you today. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, how the heck is everybody? And good morning to you, ma'am. Sorry I didn't have this ready for you this morning, but I'm here right now, guys and girls. Mm. Hope everybody's having a great week. Hope you're staying warm, because it's pretty chilly everywhere around America right now. I don't know around the world, though, but I know here it's chilly everywhere in the United States. But I hope everyone's having a great morning. And uh, just want to say thanks to everybody who listens, downloads... Thank you very much, and go leave me four or five, some four or five star uh, reviews. Tell me what you think about it, guys. Just want to say thank you from Ed to everybody around the world, man, from around the world. All right, well, guys, I guess we'll dig on to it. We got some good old stuff to talk about, some places in New Mexico, so I guess uh, we'll just get right on with it. What do you say? All right, our first story is the Luna Mansion in Las Lunas, Mexico. All right, the Luna Ontario Mansion in Las Lunas, New, uh, New Mexico, was known for its great steaks and hot chili. And great desserts, but not all is. But that's not all it's known for. Uh, eventually, it is also re-owned, renowned for its resident ghost. In 1692, Domingo de la de la Nu was granted land by the king of Spain in what would later become Las Lunas, New Mexico. A few years later, Don Petro Arterio arrived under similar situ or oh, uh, similar circumstances. Over the years the two families added to their fortunes through livestock and additional land uh, purchases. Both families became extremely powerful and were involved in politics. The marriage of Soman Luna to Adelito Arterio and Manuel A. Arterio to Elias. Uh, anyways, Arterio to Luna in the uh, late 1980s reunited these two families into what became known as the Luna Arterial Dynasty. <clears throat> when the uh, Topeka and Santa Fe Railroad wanted a right-of-way through the Luna property in 1880, the proposed railroad tracks were planned directly through the Luna homestead to gain their right-of-way to the railroad agreed to build a new home for the four Antonio Jose Luna and his family, according to their 
specifications. Before long, a southern colonial-style mansion was built with adobe materials of the southwest was was completed for the family. However, Antonio Jose died in 1881, the same year the first to live in the luxurious home. When Tranquilla died in 1892, his younger brother Solomon took the took the reins of the empire and moved into the big mansion. In the early uh, 1900s, control passed to Solomon's nephew Eduardo Artero, because Solomon had no children. In the 1920s, multiple Im- improvements to the mansion to the mansion was made, including adding a solar room, a front patio, and an ironwork surrounding the entire property. It was Ed- Ed- Eduardo's wife, Josefete, I probably fucked that name up and butchered it. I'm sorry. More, uh, more, fam, more fam, more familiar known as Pepe. This was largely respons- responsible for the for these many efforts. The daughter of William R. Manderfield, founder of the Santa Fe, New Mexico, Josefat, leaving. Loving speed her days caring for her magnificent gardens and improving her fine home. Over the years, the mansion changed hands several times before being purchased and and being remodeled as a fine dining establishment in the 1970s. It was then the ghost of Josefete began to appear. Perhaps she did not like the renovations, or she wanted to stick around to ensure that they were doing a good job on the home that she had spent so many years looking after. <clears throat> Dressed in 1920s clothing, employees have described her as a as a very as very real. She was often seen in two former bedrooms on the second floor, an attic and storeroom at the top of the stairs leading to the second floor bar. At the top of the stairs sits the old rocking chair. She was often she has often been seen sitting and rocking slowly. No uh on one occasion when an employee approached the ghostly apparition she stood up and slowly vanished. More often, she is seen way, uh, walking up and down the stairs, a habit that has been so commonplace that employees barely notice anymore. Where there's one spirit, others seem to follow, and more ghostly apparitions have been seen at the mansion. One of these was a former servant named Gus who was thought to have been a groundskeeper. Most often seen on the main level, 
He is said to be particularly friendly to women and children and likes to play practical jokes on the employees and the patrons. On one occasion, he was seen sitting on a sofa as if waiting to be served. Dressed in vintage attire, the man was relaxing patiently when a waitress asked another staff member why he had not been served. However, the response was, what man? And then the waitress looked back to the sofa and the vintage spirit faded away. The Luna Mansion in the the Luna Mansion is on the National <coughs> Register of, of Historical Places. And it is located at 110 West Main in Los Lunas, New Mexico. Just west of Junction Highway 314 and Highway 6. The fine dining establishment fell victim to the 2020 COVID pandemic and mandating shut, shutdowns and closed its doors for good in June of 2020. It's unknown as if this uh, update was it? Oh, it's they don't know if it's been back open yet or not. That sucks. See, that's one thing that COVID kind of killed businesses. But this is a ghost storage uh, podcast. Not politics. All right, my friends. See what else is on the agenda. All right. Mm, Our next one seems pretty good. All right. Our next story is the Silver Queen Hotel. The, The Haunted Silver Queen Hotel. Built in 1876, the Silver Queen Hotel in Virginia, Virginia City, Nevada is a historical landmark with a haunted reputation to the Silver Queen uh, has been noted for many different accounts of paranormal activity. So much, in fact, that the guests of the hotel often complain about strange sounds during the night. The Queen has served as many has mm, the Queen has served many different purposes. The wedding chapel was once used as a makeshift mor- uh, morgue when the grounds was too frozen to bury the dead. Staff, guests, and countless paranormal investigators are certain that ghosts roam the 138-year-old property. According to the Silver Queen lore, Room 11 and Room 13 are prone to paranormal activity. Some describe loud noises at night. Sounds that include tapping on walls, jingling doorknobs, sudden bangs, voices in unoccupied rooms, and the sound of footsteps on the wooden floor. The footsteps are periodically odd considering the hotel is completely carpeted. Many guests assumed other visitors 
were responsible for the noise, but talked to front desk staff and learned that and learned they were the only guest on the floor. Like many haunted hotels, the Silver Queen is allegedly haunted by the tragic woman who died on the property. In this case, a prostitute named Rosie reportedly slashed her wrist in the bathroom of room 111 and now wonders the hotel, tapping on doors and frightening guests. Rose seems to have a preference for a man as the rooms rooms she visits are primarily a, a, occupied by males. As far as I know, there's no official record of Rose's suicide, though a man did take his life there in 2010. Whether or not Rosie actually exited, dozens of staff members and guests swear something strange is happening at the old hotel. There is another female ghost said to be named Anna that haunts the hotel. Her footsteps, disembodied voices, shadowy apparitions, and tapping sounds without visible sources are frequently reported. There is a story of an epic fight between a man and woman from the early history of the hotel during its gold rush days begin being played out repeatedly by resident spirits. Well, and that one was a shorty, but it still sounds pretty <coughs> scary. Would you stop? Sorry about that. I got my studio dog in here, and he heard a noise, and he's all, I, 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 I. Okay, now, our next story is the ghost of Goldfield Hotel in Nevada. The ghost of the Goldfield Hotel on a lonely stretch of, uh, stretch of Route 95, Okay. On a lonely stretch on a lonely lonely stretch of Route 95 against the Sager Brush of Central Nevada is the tiny ghost town of Goldfield. Home to only 268 people, its main industry are tourism and gold. To the south of the to the south of town the international care uh, the international car forest is the main draw for travelers but this is a recent attraction for most of the town's history its showpieces was the legendary goldfield hotel a four-story classic revival building built in 1908 the yanning vacant the Yaning, yawning vacant still domain, dominates the town's main square. It caused a sensation upon its opening, as it was one of the first hotels in the West to use electric, electric, electric lights and supply running water to every room. 
This was during more rough times when the town was the largest in all of Nevada uh, with a population of 20,000. A gold strike in the Mohawk claim owned by George Wingfield sparkled a rush to the area. But Goldfield was not so much a city as it was a storm. Wracked by floods, fires, and labor, uh, and labor, and labor aggregations, within a few, within a few decades, humanity and nature conspired to strip the land bare. By the 1920s, the gold rush was a trick trickle and the town was in decline on july 6 1923 a moonshine still caught fire on main street the hotel proved in, indestructible to the blaze but the town did not as the houses emptied the hotel became a flop house for cowboys and gis before serving its final guest in 1945 <clears throat> Today, it only houses ghosts. God. The Goldfield Hotel is a symbol of its of the sim is the oh, symbol of its boomtown. From the uh, paneled lobby. With its black leather button couches wrapped around iron pillars, to its state of the art elevator running 300 feet per minute, the Goldfield was the uh, height of luxury at the time. Legend has it that a river of champagne was poured down the front steps when it opened. It was proclaimed as the most beautiful hotel between Chicago and San Francisco. And it spoke to the stature and the excess of the men who owned it in the entire town. George Wingfield. Born in Fort Smith, Arkansas in 1876, Wingfield spent his youth driving cattle across the sagebrush of Nevada. He financed himself. He fancied himself as a gambler, and regularly uh, squandered his wages on horse racing and drink. He drifted from town to town, dealing cards before bluffing his way into a job as a camp scout for Senator George Nixon in Tona, Tonopah, Nevada. Wingfield became obsessed with the high-class crapshoot of stock trading. He used his local knowledge and newfound capital to grab stake pros prospectors, providing mining, mining equipment and paying for the expenses in exchange for interest in any mineral strikes. How he guided his information was the subject of matter. As described in Elizabeth Raymond's biography, George Wingfield, owner and operator of Nevada, 
Ooh, excuse me. Sorry about that. The this rumor may provide insight into the Goldfields Hotel's most famous specter. Elizabeth said to have been a prostitute favored by George Wingfield, who became pregnant. Rather than facing the shame of, of, of an affair coming out, Wingfield locked Elizabeth to a radiator in room 109, providing food and drink until the child was born. It is not decided whether Elizabeth died at childbirth or was killed. But all accounts are certain that Wingfield dis, di, di, disposed of the child, hurling it into the mine shaft dug around the uh, back of the hotel. While the sensual nature of his legend certainly makes it worth sharing, it has little base, basis in fact. The mine shaft dug around the back of the property was made in 1925, long after Wingfield had sold the hotel and moved to Reno. Nor do contemporary accounts make any mention of Elizabeth at the hotel during Wingfield's tenure as Shifton of Goldfield. But the legend may not be completely false either. A lawsuit filed in 1904 by one May, Bar May Barrett gives a peek into the dark nature of Wingfield. She claimed to be Mrs. Wingfield by common law and tried to sue George for divorce. She accused him not only of emotional and physical abuse, but also intentionally infesting her with syphilis. Ooh, gross. Wingfield gave her a... Uh, Wingfield gave her $400 to take care of the child and forced her to leave town. Wow. His partner and child were thus left adrift in the uh, world without many support and died in obscurity. It seems that burned within the, uh, or yeah, burned within the gory legend. Excuse me, is a bitter truth. The tragedy of May Barkey still haunts the town, even though her name has passed from memory. Wingfield's ghost is also said to stalk the hotel, leaving hot ashes from his cigar on the lobby floor that he still uh, paces. <coughs> one on one, what? One could hardly imagine he's his soul anywhere else. He made this town, and this town made him. Little is left of the uh, queen of the mining camps today, but the legend endures sensational as they may be. The capture of the turbulent energy of his storm, named uh, Goldfield, giving life to this troubled old spirit, with each new tailing. Well, that one seems pretty good too. All right. Let me get a drink. All right. 
Oh, no, I guess still got two more. Cool. <clears throat> All right, our next story is Circus Circus in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a big old gambling um, hotel in Vegas. I don't know if it's still standing or not, but I remember seeing it in movies and stuff. All right. All right, guys. Ready? Located in the north end of the Las Vegas Strip is Circus Circus. Okay, Las Vegas Strip. Circus Circus has been a staple of Sin City since it first opened its doors in 1968. Designed with the whole household in mind, the casino boasts an, boasts an unmatched collection of family-friendly activities, including the largest permanent circus in the world. To this day, its popular circus acts, carnival games, and indoor amusement park, known as the Adventure Dome, draws millions of tourists from around the world. Add to this glitz and glamour of high-end casino, and what you get is something so extravagant that it can only be experienced within the neon glow of its desert metropolis. But like most of Las Vegas, there is more to Circus Circus than what is painted on a postcard. From an infamous mobster to shocking deaths, this seemingly wholesome vacation spot has become a hotbed of paranormal activity. From uh, phantom noises and strange occurrences to full-body apparitions. The strip may be known for its ghoulish history, but a circus circus, the past has, a lo has long been overstaying its welcome. The Circus Circus opened on October 18th of 1968. Originally a casino, a hotel would not be admitted until 1972. Circus Circus mob dealings partly inspired the 1995 film Casino. Circus Circus is also the home of the Adventure Dome, a popular amusement park. Now let's talk about the haunted casino. What do you say? Considering that Circus Circus is as both a casino and a hotel has hosted teens of millions of people over the past five decades. It's not hard to believe that it has also been the site of a multi, multi, multitude of of heroic crime, heroic, a multitude of uh, heroic, a multitude of bad crimes. The latest of which happened on June first, two thousand eighteen. On that night, two people were found dead in their hotel room, the victims of a cold-blooded murder. The Vietnamese couple who were visiting the casino on vacation had been brutally stabbed during, during what turned out to be 
a robbery gone wrong, leaving a horror show behind. While murders like these are not unusual for any of the long-standing attractions that have graced the dusty streets of the America's favorite adult destination, the number of incidents of Circus Circus alone has gained the casino a notable reputation. And the reputation does not end there. With every tale of murder that has attached itself to Circus Circus over the years comes more <coughs> more whispers about paranormal activity. To little surprise, guests of the hotel and casino have been long reporting strange sounds, moving objects, and even wandering spirits. Some of these hauntings have a ring of familiarity, like room furniture being displaced, or the sounds of whispering in the halls. But other phenomenon, guest employees looking over their shoulders. It all started in room 123, where, my, where many years ago, a mother of her young son were found dead from the uh, uh, apparent murder-suicide. What drove the woman to take her children's life and then her own, her own will now never be uncovered. But the re reverberations of the heinous acts are still being felt in the hotel to this day. Now, loud screams and a child's plea for help can be heard coming from that room in the hallways surrounding it. And the words, help me, have appeared at, on numerous occasions across the bathroom mirrors of the helpless child still trapped in the moments before his untimely death. Staff have been... Staff have seen time and time again wandering the halls of the first floor, care, crying out, begging for help, and searching desperately for something. Sometimes he is even seen hand in hand with his own mother, the two of them appearing in the hallways and asking about a man named Roberto. Of course, they, could, they would always disappear quickly, never leaving a trace or any clue of who Robert might have been. Would uncovering his identity help? <clears throat> History better understands what happened in this room that night. We'll never know for sure, but many still believe that Robert might hold the key in understanding this Chris, these gruesome murders. The tale is tragic, but what about the other strange things that are witnessed on the property? Like the three male apparitions who have been seen in the kitchen, or the sounds of screams that can be heard outside of the top floor windows. Will real, well, reality as they say, is often stranger than fiction. And a look into the casino's past tells us everything we need to know. The truth 
is death is no stranger to circus circus because of one man, one man alone. One of the most prolific killers of his time. Excuse me. And wasn't a serial killer or a uh, magnet or even a monster. He was a businessman. All right. This is how the mob ties in with the Circus Circus. Over the past five decades, the Circus Circus has been has seen a great deal of success, undergoing countless expenses and renovations to make it what it is today. Now it is nearly overwhelming 23,928 square feet of casino space attached to a 3,767 hotel room. A circus in an amusement park. But it wasn't always that way. When it first opened by Jay Serrano and Stanley Malin in 1968, the casino was modded, modest, uh, only offering a few blackjack tables, roulette wheels, crap tables, and slot machines. It was real. It was well-received, especially by families passing through. But it failed to get the attention of the infamous Las Vegas high rollers and needed to make its mark. This happened for one big reason. It didn't have a hotel. Without the big spenders, Circus Circus soon found itself nearing uh, financial ruin. Leading the desperate owners to seek out a $23 million loan from the Teamsters Pension Fund, which at the time was deeply connected to the American Mafia and the other criminal enterprises in Chicago. Their intentions with the money was to build a hotel that would help attract more high rollers in the casino, which they did in 1972, completing a 15-story tower that offered 409 rooms the addition was a success bringing in more than gamblers but it also brought a new business partner from chicago anthony anthony spalatro anthony nicknamed tony the ant was an infamous american mobster for the chicago outfit and the real life inspiration for nikki's Santero, a character played by Joe Pesci in the 1995 Martin Squazy film Casino. In fact, much of the movie was based off of Spalerto's time in Las Vegas and his connection to Circus Circus. Spalerto, leader of the Hole in the Wall gang, was put in, the, put in charge of the casino's gift shop as a cover for his illegal business dealings. In reality, he was managing the outfit's casino profits, known as the scam. For both Circus Circus and the other mafia-owned casinos on the Strip, as well as pulling off numerous robberies and, contra and contracted assi uh, assignments. Spalletro did well for many years, and was rumored to be responsible for dozens of brutal mob hits in the area. 
including but not limited to throwing people out of the hotel windows. But he would eventually get greedy and overstep his boundaries, putting him on the wrong side of the employers and leading to his own bloody and gruesome murder on June 14th of 1986. Many of the ghosts that linger in the circus circus today have been attributed to Spallartro, and it isn't hard to imagine. There has never been a final count, a final count of the murders he was responsible for, responsible for, but it is well known that many of them must have taken place in or around the circus circus. Maybe Spalancho himself is even one of them, strutting across the casino floor like he still runs the joint. Yeah, see. That seemed like a good one. Circus Circus. I think I seen um, on one of the paranormal uh, ghost shows, I seen them cover that place. Pretty cool place. Check it out. Ah. Zinga, zinga, zinga. All right. And our last story today is the Maple Hill Cemetery. I think I've covered this before, like when I first started doing this. So if I have, I'm sorry. Okay. At adjoining Huntsville's historic Maple Hill Cemetery is a playground that looks like much... is a playground that looks much like any other. Featuring a modern swing set and climbing uh, equipment. But this playground isn't like others. Pass, or may, maybe often so they can see the swings moving on their own and as well as orbs and figures. The playground is surrounded on three sides by the lime, by lime, by the limestone that formed many caves in the area, giving it a shadowed appearance that leads itself to spooky legends. The proximity to the historic cemetery does not hurt either. Local teens call it the Dead Children's Playground, a remarkable name for a place still used by families. So how did the incident place get its gruesome name? According to legend, many children who died in Huntsville during the 1910 Spanish flu or 1918 Spanish flu <coughs> pandemic are buried in Maple Hill plots adjoining the playground. The spirits of these children, some say, came out after dark to run and play as they might have in life. An online search turns up photos of unexplained shadows and orbs. It is true, my children, oh, it is true, many children as well as adults died during the worldwide pandemic, which killed an estimate 50 million people worldwide and hit Huntsville periodic or 
hit Huntsville pretty hard. Hospital beds were filled and doctors were working long shifts in hopes of easing some of the patient's misery. Many patients were treated at home with large quarantine signs on the doors, a practice which resulted in the disease spreading through entire families. Bodies were often slagged on wagons and hauled to and hard hauled to the morgue by horse. To try and prevent the spread of the disease, parents cautioned children to leave windows closed. This sing-song rhyme was a reminder. I'm not going to sing that. Okay, according to the Alabama Department of Public Health, the deadly flu arrived in Alabama by way of Huntsville on September 25th of 1925. Within 10 days, it had spread to the general population. The Alabama DHP quoted on October 5th article from the Brigham Brigham News reported a case of Spanish influenza have increased to more than over 1,000 in Huntsville. According to Dr. C.A. Kraut, health officer of Madison County, there have been an additional 300 cases and 700 deaths in the past 24 hours. Damn, that's fast spreading. On October 7th, the governor of Alabama ordered closures of public schools statewide, including uh, stores, schools, and churches. By October the 13th, the uh, Brigham News was reported that only one local pharmacist and local doctor reminded uninfected. A desperate situation exits in Huntsville growing out of the Spanish influenza epidemic. All druggist, physicist, and prescription clerks except one have been stricken with the disease and a distracting appeal reached Montgomery last night in the telegram's immediate help for the stricken city. Although it's not official count of the number of children who died in Huntsville during the pandemic or how many were buried in the Maple Hill, the number must have been in the uh, thousands. But that's a cemetery that has strictly kids there that died from this uh, Spanish Spanish flu epidemic back in the day, I tell you that, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, Lord. Well, I'd like to say thank you guys for dropping in today and listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We got some more good stories for you next week. <clears throat> just want to say thank you guys once again. Check me out on uh, go to the uh, Facebook page. Is Ghost Stories Told from the South? Check me out there, and you can get this uh, podcast on any pretty much platform. Go check out my YouTube channel and all that, guys. So, but until next Saturday, keep it spooky and keep scaring everybody, guys. 
And uh, like I said, I want to interact with y'all more. Uh, send me something in my DMs or send me something through my email, which is ghost stories told from the south at gmail.com, all lowercase. But until next time, guys, you guys have a great weekend and a great week. And be very, very scary. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate you. Love you. Be good, man. Bye.